Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Amen. For my undergraduate studies, I attended Boston University. BU is right in the middle of the city. And so moving from my small town to this urban environment meant that there were a number of things that I had to get used to. Taking public transportation, crossing busy intersections, the noise at night as I was trying to fall asleep. I also had to get used to panhandlers. It seemed that most days I would pass at least one person on the street who was asking for money or for food or for some other kind of help. And very quickly I found myself learning this very particular city-dwelling skill, this ability to simultaneously ignore panhandlers and yet at the same time always be paying attention to them. To on the one hand, pretend as if they're not there, to not make eye contact, to just keep on walking, and yet at the same time to always have them in your peripheral vision. Always be aware of where they are and what they're doing because as we all know, those people could be dangerous. You never knew what those people were going to do. There was one guy who I saw nearly every day. He had a regular spot sitting on the sidewalk on Commonwealth Avenue right outside my dorm. The BU bum, my classmates called him. At first, his presence on the sidewalk was a novelty to my small town eyes, and there was a part of me that wondered what it would be like to at least stop and say hello. But as the semester progressed and my new urban shell hardened, his presence provoked me less and less. Indeed, he became, in my eyes, just another lifeless feature of Comav, like a fire hydrant or a bus stop. Until the day that I saw someone, one of my fellow students sitting on the sidewalk beside him. As I passed, I noticed their smiles. I eavesdropped on their entirely normal conversation, and in that moment, I realized how much I had been treating this man like an object and not a person, a thing, and not my neighbor. I was ashamed, but I was also encouraged. Indeed, seeing another student talking to the man inspired me, and so later that week, I stopped, and I said hello to this man, and we chatted for a bit. I learned that his name was David, that he lived in Alston, that he had a cat at home. And from then on, whenever I passed David, we would wave hello. Sometimes I would even sit on the sidewalk alongside him for a little while, and at times I would get him a snack or a cup of coffee or on one occasion, kitty litter. The story of the Samaritan woman at the well is an incredibly rich passage, and it contains many important teachings. A key one is how we should treat the other. Those who our society labels as different or impure or less than or dangerous. From Jesus' Jewish context, the Samaritan woman is in some ways the ultimate other. First, she's a Samaritan, a member of a foreign, impure ethnic group. 
Second, she practices a rival religion, rejecting the temple in Jerusalem and instead worshiping on a nearby mountain. And third, she's female, a member of a subordinate social stratum where she has little power. And so it is a shock when Jesus initiates a conversation with her, crossing all of these historical and ethnic and religious and gender boundaries, and asks for some water. She is clearly shocked. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And the author of the Gospel of John even adds a note reminding his readers that Jews and Samaritans do not share things just to drive home this point. At its core, this story is a challenge to all of us, that whenever we find ourselves mentally labeling someone as a stranger beyond comprehension, as one of those people who we just stay away from, we need to stop. We need to remember that Jesus shatters all those divisions, and in the process reveals to us the truth that all our beloved children made in the image of God. But there's another critical lesson in this story, another teaching, and it's about discipleship and evangelism. By the end of the story, the Samaritan woman not only sees Jesus as the Messiah, but she also goes to her neighbors and invites them to come and see. She does what a disciple is supposed to do, spread the good news, bring others to Christ. By the end of the episode, Having had their own encounter with the living God, her fellow Samaritans are likewise converted. By holding up the Samaritan woman, the ultimate other, as this prime example of what following Jesus is really about, our gospel makes a profound point that all people are called to follow Jesus and that all people are then called to spread the good news. One day as I was sitting on the sidewalk chatting with David, someone else stopped to say hello to him. And I realized that it was that very student, that person that I saw all those weeks ago, who had inspired me to sit down and do likewise. I'm going to refer to this person as Tom. Over time, Tom and I became friendly acquaintances, and I came to admire him quite a lot. I learned that he too was a Christian. In fact, a leader of one of the campus ministries. I ended up attending a few events that Tom put together. I also learned that Tom is gay. He was the first openly gay Christian I knew. Though I was personally affirming of LGBTQ people, at the time I belonged to a denomination that was not. So I didn't quite know what to make of Tom. Eventually, I worked up the courage to ask him if we could chat sometime. And during that conversation, he very generously shared his story with me, how he prayerfully and faithfully discerned around his sexuality and his faith, how he concluded that God was calling him to live fully as a gay man and as a Christian. That conversation and Tom's leadership and his ministry, his witness, of Christian faith, of service to the poor and the outcast. Together, they all brought me just a little bit closer to the heart of our living God. All are called to follow Jesus, and all are called to spread the good news. Today's gospel challenges us to follow the example of the Samaritan woman, 
and to evangelize as she did. Evangelization takes many forms, but one thing I would encourage us to never underestimate is how the smallest act can have profound impact, how something as simple as having a conversation with someone who has been deemed undesirable can not only extend God's mercy, but serve as a powerful witness to all around us. Evangelizing also means inviting others into their own encounter with Jesus. And this is something that many of us can feel ill-equipped to do, either because we don't know how, or frankly, we find it uncomfortable, or because we feel, for whatever reason, inadequate, that we have the wrong temperament, or social status, or background, or gender, or sexuality, or race to be a real follower of Jesus. In those moments, we must remember the Samaritan woman, how God's call flowed through her, not despite who she was, but exactly because of who she was. She was called, as are all of us. And if we don't know where to start, if we don't know how to even begin to bring someone to Christ, well, we can always fall back on the Samaritan woman's very own words, come and see. Invite someone here. Invite someone to the Chapel of the Cross. Invite them to come and see our services where we worship and praise and repent. Come and see our Sunday school and youth programs and campus ministry where the next generation of the church is emerging. Come and see our faith in action, our IFC cook teams and composting program and mission trips where God's resurrecting power is making all things new. Come and see our Bible studies and prayer groups where the word is broken open and thirsty souls are quenched. Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at the Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.